Welcome to Talking In Stations. It's May 20th. I am Adderall here with Abby. How you doing, Abby? I'm good. Hi, everybody. Hey. And uh, we also have Zen with us. Doing great. Hello, everyone. Good. And Adrian Beninard. How are you doing, Adrian? Good evening. I'm doing great. Uh, Adrian is, uh, as you know, uh, one of our writers and editors for the actually he is the writer and editor of our in-game news uh paper we call it newspaper uh, so he's here to give us a sh idea of what's going on out there and then uh, we'll pick up a little bit of news here and there but then after that we're going to have a special interview uh that's hosted by rich richmond uh and we'll talk about that in a few minutes okay uh let's get started i guess adrian why don't you take us through some of the headlines that are in the game. Busy day today. I'll be brief. Uh, um, had a series of battles in Poachven about the last week. Um, I think some of it got covered yesterday. Um, but in Wirashoda, which is the basically the home system of Strybog Clade, um, there's a Tatara there that's owned by Goonswarm. And so a group of alliances came in and attempted to destroy that. A couple of days ago they um, they kicked it into reinforcement and then the actual battle I think was yesterday evening but um, Nola Sekinaya, Shalupin, and Rote Capel came in with about 150 ships um, Typhoons, Cerebus and tried to take out that structure. Now the structure held. Um, however Strybog um, and they had with them, forgive me for a moment, uh, Wardens of the Abyssal Overwatch and um, some pilots from Goonswarm Federation. Um, it was a pretty active fight. Uh, Nulla Sekinaya ended up losing about 18 billion isk worth of ships. Um, Strybog forces lost 185 ships uh, worth 27 billion isk. Um, but the, I mean, the key thing there was the structure surviving, because if that had gotten knocked out, they can't easily replace it. Right. I think this is the right battle report. So here the objectives matter way more than any ISK efficiency. Correct? Correct. That's that's their main staging area for, for all of Poachman. Um That's basically where Strybog hangs their hat. Right, and you mentioned as well that it's a it's a goon goon swarm structure in there. So, uh, like that means that goons didn't come along and and place that structure down. Uh, that would have been grandfathered in from before the changeover to Poshvin, right? Right. It was a it was a goon structure that was there when the changeover happened, and now Strybog is using it. Okay, it's cool. nice that um, yeah, that like uh, more nullsec blocks are kind of getting involved in these fights and as well as just like more content for their for their pilots you know we saw it with fraternity moving down towards low sec uh i think they started to make small inroads into poshvin uh but things were solved diplomatically but it's nice with the with the lowering of the standings right since they opened up the gates yes there's been more and more groups moving in more battles happening and and more content which i think was the intention Okay. Yeah, the gay thing really made it 
easy for basically everyone to be accessible to Pottering content, no matter it's PvP or PvE. All right, so uh, we have a lot to move through here. Is there another battle report we wanted to look at? There's a couple more I could go through, but um, since we got a lot going on today, I'm just going to let you move on. Well, let's let's look at this. Uh, what's going on in Curse here between the Initiative and it uh, looks like Pandemic Horde, Northern Coalition, essentially Pappy. Um, Pappy moved in with um, 347 ships. This is in GTAC zero. Q86 um, in Curse. And the initiative has two structures there right now. Um, so Pappy ended up doing 21% damage on the Tatara that's in the system. Um, but the, the Fortizar was pretty much left undamaged. Um, so the initiative had a much smaller force. They had 95 ships. Um, but at the if you look at the end of the day, um, oh Pappy God, ended up losing 65 ships, 8 billion ISK. Uh, the initiative lost 44 ships, um, but only 6 billion ISK. So no structures got blown up. Neither side really took crippling losses. Okay. And then finally, we will look at this last one real quick. This is 3TAC-D. This is Delve, where the hot war is. What happened here? Um has been going on for a bit. We've had, you know, daily battles in 3-TAC DMQT. Um, in this case, Pappy did manage to destroy an Imperium um, Osterhaus. Um, it wasn't fitted. There was nothing in it. So it was only, um, I think, just the structure ended up being worth about 800 million ISK. Um, Pappy came in with 600 ships, Eagle Moon and Fleet, like they've been doing. Um, Imperium defended with uh, carriers and an immune fleet because um, Imperium's been more willing to drop super, been, been more willing to drop capital since it's their territory. Um, Pappy ended up losing about 16 billion ISK. Uh, the Imperium lost 8 billion ISK. Yeah. All right. So this happens every day, it looks like, right? It's busier. Yeah. Or more. Yeah, it's yeah. been kind of hard to, to cover. Um, I mainly come to it when it ends up being particularly large at this point or something. Right. Okay, let's take yeah. a look at uh, some other stuff away from the war news. And this is something that came up today that I'm really excited about. Eve has music. It also has sound, atmospheric sounds, which have been collected and put out by CCP. That was released today. It is a new album, basically, and it's called uh, Atmosphere. And you can't see it here, but it's CCP Old Boy. So if you follow the links, it'll take you to uh, Spotify, where it's hosted. And you see there's like Amar Hanger, Kaldari Hanger, uh, and some planet sounds. So this is really great if you're studying or if you're wanting to do some concentration work, but you want that white noise. Uh, this is fantastic. They put this out, out. Eve Online Atmospheres 1, which means there's probably going to be an Atmospheres 2, which I hope they do. Because I would love to see, like, the uh, ship skill tree, that music, or, um, you know, or the map, or whatever. Be good to see yeah, some of judging, that stuff. Judging by the names of some of these tracks, there's definitely room for a lot more of the atmosphere uh, stuff that happens. 
Uh, one thing I would love to see like a longer version of this. Like you know, they have like ten minutes of each of the hangers, but I'd love like a half an hour long uh, session of each hanger or something. So you know, like a ten hour uh, playlist I could fall asleep to and sleep all night with. Yeah, it's not like you need a four minute game, uh, uh, radio friendly format. I mean, we're way past that now, and this music should go on for a long time. But you're right. Just in time for this today at work, they informed us that we're getting free Spotify accounts. So Ooh, I'm all good. Nice. nice. <laughs> all right. Uh, another thing that came through today, this was really interesting, Eve Academy. This is something we will talk to CCP about later on, uh, about, um, I think, Wednesday. We'll have CCP and Eve University together. We'll be talking about this. It is Eve Academy. What do you guys know about it? Um. It just seems to be a fantastic uh, pool of resources for new beginners. So um, if you scroll down, you see they kind of split the game up into different sections. So whether you want to be uh, an explorer or you want to become a pirate or maybe an industrialist. And, you know, they just have some great visuals. They, they've put together really... Uh, if cl Click on the show me more button on one of these. Um they have great videos they've put together and they have spoken to some amazing experts um, in the community that play this game that are really and truly experts in their fields. And they have gotten this advice from them and they've been involved in creating this project. So um, just have a little scroll down there just uh, for the exploration stuff. They've so, taken the you know, blood of info that you get when, you, when you're new to the game and sort of made it a lot more digestible and more organized yeah they've really like here here's a scanning basics video right so how many new persons started the game and they had that scanning um scanning career agent and they didn't know how to scan here we are a perfect uh well put together quick and easy video on how scanning works and you know how hacking works how wormhole works it's yeah uh, as aderland said it really is like a distilled pure form of just pure information and not a lot of these resources are made by the EVE partners. Um, that's for the EVE partner program. Yeah. So a lot of this is actually not made by CCP, but actual players within the game. Right. It's, uh, it's, it looks clearly like it's a lot of work. I think this was designed by Ashi. She put out a tweet today who has uh, Ashi in Space uh, website. It's also very beautiful. It's in this. It's done in this style. So I think that her works here too, and then the information from other players. Good stuff. Yeah, and they have one for each kind of skill tree, skill tree or, or path you might want to take in the game. You know, we're just looking at the exploration one now, um, and some of the videos, like the production quality, is fantastic. And then for the resources at the bottom, this is one profession exploration that we're looking at, but this is really long. There's a lot of dense information in here. So. Yeah, so as as we're looking at the exploration version, uh, you know, they offer corporations in game that might be useful to you. So like Signal Cartel, Eve University, you know, these are um, uh, groups that would be active in the exploration field. If you go into the more combat or PvP focused ones, they'll recommend more combat or PvP focused uh, corporations and stuff. So this is tailored to that. And as well, look with streamers and Dimensional, who we had on recently, who's, you know, top-of-the-line exploration person right now. Yeah, and dimensional here. And this is, so yeah. that's very current, right? Because he's not that old in the game. Our Sykes has been yeah, around a while. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, 
It's great. So it is curtailed to um, each profession. So that's nice. It's got nice curation and everything. Again, here is Ashy's uh, website. Always recommend Ashy stuff. Really high quality, good polish on it. Good info and friendly. But CCP doing a great job and giving people the giving people who are new to the game that what do I do now answer that they've been looking for, which is um, well. You want to be an explorer? Do you want to be a PvPer? Do you want to be an enforcer? Do you want to be a soldier of fortune? Uh, you know, and then it explains concepts of, you know, the Magic 14. We actually talked about that just the other day, but you should check this out. It's really cool. It's called Eve Academy. It's under the eveonline.com slash now file and so it's eveonline.com slash now slash eve dash academy. Yeah, I think it just takes a lot of the hard effort of finding uh, this knowledge. You know, as a new player, this knowledge is scattered throughout old Eve University wiki articles or Ashi's website or blog and other places. So it really just, they've gone to the best people and the partners that work in the game, know this stuff, and they've just put it all together under one banner and, and made it much more accessible for the new person. Yeah. Awesome. And also on their, uh, also on their YouTube, uh, video, uh, YouTube channel, they uploaded four new videos today. Um, one is about resource and mining. Oh, can you give me the uh, link about, oh, to that? Uh, yeah, it's, it's in the daily show channel. Oh, okay. FD. Uh, one is about scanning down cosmic signatures. Uh, one is about understanding security status, and the last one is about um, getting started with missions. And here they are. Yeah, so these are the videos from that uh, EVE Academy. Great, so you can just look at them here. Cool, that's great stuff. Okay, and one... lastly, one more, What's... yeah, the CSM and interview candidate stuff. Yeah, yeah, go there. That's Perfect. where I was going to go. Go ahead. Thank God. Um, yeah, so today uh, over on Twitch TV uh, with CCP TV, we had a fantastic introduction to all of the CSM candidates that will be coming up for the CSM elections. Uh, voting begins uh, sometime next month. I think it's the 8th to the 15th. Um, but I highly recommend everyone just to sit down and watch this um, where CCP Swift and CCP Dopamine give you a quick little introduction to the candidates, their name, their speciality, you know, uh, some of their experience in the game. Some of these people have been on the CSM in the past and are running for re-election. Um, so it's really good. I think everyone should get to know all of their candidates and decide, uh, you know, who think they who they think is, is best for the game. And, you know, when you're voting, it's a single transferable vote system, so you don't suffer from putting down a few more names. So, you know, if, if you see someone that maybe you live in Nullsec and... And so someone like Mike, who, uh, Mike Azaria, who lives in HiSec, you know, he does great stuff for the game. Um, you know, it might be worth showing him a vote. Uh, you know, these people who might not necessarily affect your gameplay, but uh, certainly would be better for the, the health of the game to get a more even representation. Right. So CSM, though, I mean, the big news here, they did read out all the names, but now we know the list of names. And a lot of people that were supposed to be on there weren't on there, which was kind of interesting. 
like Dark Daz, for instance. Uh, we expected her to be Fraternity's number one pick. Not on there. That's curious. What's Fraternity going to do? That's a big voting block. They're like maybe the third biggest voting block out there. And they don't have a candidate now. So that's interesting. Uh, you also didn't see Extra Squishy, which uh, is not that surprising since he wasn't allowed to be a partner either. So, I, you know, I think what happens is when you apply to do this sorts of these sorts of things, you get to uh, have to go through inter internal affairs, AI department, and they are the ones that have the history on people's behavior. So if you were reported for any reason or you were uh, in some way involved in some something that was distasteful to CCP, they don't want that representation near them. They're just going to deny your application. And we saw like three or four or five people like that, I think. But more, more notably, Oren, uh, who is running from HK, not on that list. And I think it was uh, Gideon of all people, but he had something of a passport snafu. So I don't think it was behavioral or anything like that. I don't know if it was behavioral for anybody, but um, it could just be technical where somebody didn't fill out the paperwork correctly or the paperwork had some kind of technical issue with it. I think that's the case in Gideon's uh, thing. So the point is, it's not easy to get on the CSM official ballot. So congratulations to those people who did. My buddy, Ron USMC, did make it on there. And thank you for that raid earlier, Ron. Uh, so he is there for uh, one of the guys from Test. You know him from Ron USMC, the streamer, because you guys are watching uh, him and us, hopefully. So good luck to him and everybody else that made it onto that list. It's not that easy to get on that list. You got to stay on top of CCP. They won't tell you something's wrong. You have to find out for yourself and you have to do it before the deadline because there's no going back now. So... Uh, that's a tough situation for some people. Okay, so let's... Um... Funny enough, sorry, Ron is in chat. He just said that he is a friend of fraternity. That's a <laughs> complete, complete coincidence that he's announcing that, by yeah. the way. Wow. Ron streams for like 10 hours a day. He's a machine. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. What a coincidence. He knows fraternity. What a coincidence. <laughs> Not... That is... Uh... Good play there. All right. Any other news that we need to cover before we transition over to, as I said before, we we're going to have an interview with uh, Group Flying Dangerous. You might have heard of them. Uh, they will be here in a few minutes. Um, but uh, first, do you guys have anything, uh, any other news you guys wanted to hit? Have a great evening. Thanks for listening. No? Okay. I think I covered everything I had. All right. Yeah. Um, go watch the uh, CESM and get out there and vote because if you don't vote, you can't complain. Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this with Rich Richman and Rundle and Flying Dangerous. Okay, guys, jump out, please. All right, guys, uh, you are in now. I'm going to introduce you, but I have to take off. Turn on your cameras if you have them. Rich, okay. I actually have to take off because I have to pick up my child. So, that Abby doing the production? I'll do the production. Just keep it going. I should only be like 30, 45 minutes. <laughs> so fill it. Yeah, so fill it. Oh, jeez. All right. And we're back in 20 seconds. Uh, can we enable name changing? Yeah, give them the list, Rich, or guys type in the you know, or someone in the podcast here. Mm, name changing. I can't do name changing. Well, yeah, give me the list. I'll do what I can. I got to run out. Cool. All right, so I'm going to drop cam. Two seconds, one Let's second. 
All right, welcome back to Talking In Stations. Uh, we're here with Rich Richman. Say hi, Rich. Hello. <laughs> All right. Rundle is here as well. There he is. Okay. Yep. So Rich and Rundle are going to talk you through Flying Dangerous uh, in this next segment. Uh, we'll be back after a while. Take it away, Rich. Flying Dangerous is a independent and small sovereign holding alliance and they're also quite well known for being new player friendly now they've had quite a long history in eve but this is there is a recent one now tell me what is the history of flying dangerous i guess i'll pick that up i'm lofty i'm the current executor of flying dangerous um i was also the founder of flying dangerous back in the early 2000s um Flying Dangerous came from uh, an idea that uh, you don't need to necessarily accept aggression if you're a new pilot or uh, an industrial pilot or someone who doesn't know what they're doing, you can you can still fight back. Um, that was the idea. That was the ethos right at the beginning. Um, it started small with a corporation called SCI, Southern Cross Incorporated. Um, and that idea through uh, an alliance structure, which was uh, eventually spawned um, over a period of about three or four years. I see quite a few Southern Cross uh, corporations within the old Flying Dangerous Alliance. Yeah, um, we've taken corporations as a way to divide uh, function and purpose and identity. Uh, so I, I suppose corporations are quite often used as a construct by a CEO to just like, create a community within a, a corporation. We use corporations as uh, divisions within an alliance. So in a sense, our community is one alliance rather than being one corporation, if that makes sense. Um, people move between our corporations within the alliance based upon their status, based upon the level of responsibility they accept, uh, and also challenges that we, 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 we put in front of those people in order to move between those alliances. So I'm not sure uh, if that's unique or not, but uh, it, that's one of the characteristics we have. Flying Dangerous is very much a, a tiered gamified uh, organization where people move through the ranks and that's depicted by the corporation they're currently in. We do have a more open alliance, which is potentially dangerous, where we invite uh, more, um, I suppose, traditional uh, corporations to join. Now, there's quite a few guests that are ranking members of Flying Dangerous with us. G uh, Jin, Triple Manny, Zip, and Lofty. Uh, we'll start with uh, Lofty. Tell me about yourself and well, where you began with Eve. Um, I began, began with Eve right back at the beginning. Um, I I had a go. It was a 2003, 2004. Um, I then left the game and came back in 2006. Um, I had a, an experience where I was being attacked by pirates and decided that the corporation that I was with wasn't really uh, interested in fighting back. And so I formed a corporation which would take new people like me, because I was a new person back then, uh, and we would learn how to become aggressive. So I founded 
Southern Cross Incorporated. Over the years, um, people joined uh, SCI to the point where I decided that uh, we needed to create a, a tiered um, structure, uh, which wasn't available to corporation, uh, the corporation, um, I suppose, structure. Um, and so we created new corporations, which allowed new people to join at one level, mid-level, then a high level to create like a, a stream of you know, capabilities and management. Now I've encountered you in previous regions. I think I remembered roaming in syndicate before, but where did you, where did the corporation begin? Was it high sec or did you, or low sec or when did you move to where? It began in Aridia in a system called Uratel, actually. That's where it was founded initially. And then after Aridia, where do you go? From Aridia, um, once we gained a few, you know, a bit of capabilities, we were identified by a uh, alliance called Pure. Pure took us into their space, which was in uh, Vale of the Silent back in the day, uh, where we joined a fight club essentially between uh, Pure, Smash, and Roadkill used to be in, in Gemini. Um, that was just before the drone regions were introduced into the game. I see. I, uh, I know that you lived in Syndicate for some time, but you've recently moved to Pureblind. How is the environment of Pureblind treating you compared to Syndicate, which has also hosted a lot of newer groups in the past? Pureblind offers a more diverse range of PvP. It's very, very close to to Jitter, obviously, it has access to uh, um, to, to a lot of low sec that surrounds it, um, and also uh, null sec. There's also NPC space, NPC null, right in the middle of Pureblind. So, in terms of the diversity of PvP, which, which is available in Pureblind, uh, it's quite rich. Uh, there's also, I, th I think, people just see Pureblind as a great place to roam. It is so close to Jitter that you know any fleet forming up there just looking for somewhere to shoot finds that uh, Pureblind is pretty close. Uh, you know, the EC, EC tag Taranos Gate is uh, yeah, quite a good spot to find people who are just like bored and looking for something to do. Um, so in terms of in terms of PvP content, Pureblind has been uh, more diverse and uh, pretty rich in terms of experience. I see. So is that, is that what took you to that region? Was the PvP, or were you looking for a bigger game or a bigger fish to fry at the time? Definitely PvP. Um, PvP is our primary focus. Um, I don't know if you have our website available, but if you look uh, at our website, we have four pillars, and the primary pillar is PvP. So PvP is our, our holy grail. That's, that's what we follow, and that's what we seek in all of its forms. Right. Do you, do you do much uh, commanding, or well, fleet commanding, or is that uh, others in your organization that handles that now? Um, I lead a lot of cruiser fleets, uh, cruiser frenzies as we call them. Uh, cruiser frenzies are where we get a whole bunch of T1 cruisers, put brand new pilots in them and take them for 80 jumps around the universe and then drive them into a brick wall. Uh, <laughs> that's that's my style of FCing. Um, however, we also have a... a a good crew of FCs behind us who look for, um, I suppose, different forms of, of fleet types as well. So 
Uh, I'd also do capital FCing as well. Zip is one of our um, main FCs in terms of home defense uh, and strat ops. So I brought him along today as I talk about those kind of fleets. Yeah, can you introduce everyone else actually for us? Or let them in do, introduce themselves, I guess, just toss the mm -hmm. task. I can do that. Um, so Zip, uh, Zip is one of our strategic FCs. Uh, he's also one of my directors. He's very, very good with integrating new people and introducing new people into uh, Figgle and the game in general. Triple Manny. Triple Manny is uh, an executor or previous executor. I had to take a break from the game back in about 2009 and Triple stepped into the gap for me for about three years. So Triple is one of our previous executors. He also moves a lot of stuff. Um, uh, Giru, who is our main uh, European time zone FC, he, he does a lot of community development in the European time zone, plus a lot of FCing. Uh, and DJ, who is basically our, I, I, suppose, I suppose he's, I'd best describe him as probably our marketing guy. He, he is a very, very good dude in terms of like creating branding. Uh, and putting uh, a polish on the the thing we are. Yeah, your one uh, your one uh, pilot uh, seems to have disappeared, unfortunately. He's he's having trouble with his uh, European internet for whatever reason. That's all right. All good. Now a lot of these uh, now do a lot of the people that fly with you currently originate in flying dangerous, or did you pick them up somewhere or somewhere from someone? Typically, we scour looking for either new pilots who are completely new to the game or pilots who are in high sec uh, that haven't experienced the, the wonders and joys of PvP. You know, maybe they're uh, risk-averse, maybe they're concerned about their capabilities, whatever. So um, that's where the majority of our pilots come from. Um, after they've been through us, uh, we, we don't like to hold on to the gems we build we, we allow them to filter off into the rest of the community because essentially that's what we're about building the eve community at large um so we have pilots that we've taken from the initial starting stages and then spread out across the universe that's that's kind of like you know what we do we don't seek out experienced pvpers they they will uh sometimes fall into our lap they'll come along and you know say hey i want to try out this new thing that's not you know a large block or somewhere that's filled with people who are really good at the game but kind of you know see what you guys do with teaching new people with running fleets that are designed to be um handled by experienced and non-experienced pilots alike so uh, it's not like we exclusively look for new players but it is a it's kind of what we market to, if you will. Excellent. I think that's, you brought up kind of probably the most differentiating uh, point for me um, of what you guys are about. You've been around for a long time, so you obviously have a nice seat of experience, but pilots and uh, anyone joining you can um, experience null sec life, but not in a big, large null sec block life, right? So it's a different way of playing. It's a different style. Um, I know that uh, that sort of game style really interests it really interests Rich, which is is why I think uh, this interview is happening primarily. Um, so let's uh, let's kind of just focus a little bit on some of those initial building block stuff, right? How do you decide we're going to do null sec, but we're not doing the big block? 
Is it really the focus on building Eve and letting the, the leaves fall off the trees and blow wherever they want after the fact? Or, you know, you seed your gems across the universe, as you said, to put it a little more direct. Um, if you don't mind, Lofty, uh, there, there's a couple of ways that you can kind of view your organization in Eve. Some groups define themselves by their leaders. Some groups define themselves by their space. Um, I think a lot of groups want to define themselves by the values of the community that they've built independent of space or leaders, but many fail in that attempt. Um, I'm not saying that we're perfect in that, but that is, it's the closest I've seen in my some 10 years of playing the game uh, of a, to a group that is tied more to itself than to anything that it happens to control, hold, or do in the game. Okay. Uh, Rich, you're, you know, you you have a pretty good, uh, rich history here of, you know, just over a couple of years. Right. Um, but, uh, so what do you, how, when you look at these guys, what do you see? Like, what's your interest? What, what interests you when you see them? I see, I see a lot of, well, I see what makes Eve, well, quintessentially makes Eve the game that people enjoy. It's what made Eve great at the very start when there's lots of smaller groups who've all got their own interests and they all banded together to form a, uh, small alliances which formed bigger alliances. These, this is the origin of, well, uh, Sovnol. This is a cradle of civilization. And it's, I, I quite like it. I like these small independent groups that they all begin to carve up a little bit of their space and go on their own adventures. And I I learned this because I play with a lot of very old players, people who've played for, well, since Band of Brothers days, since 2006, 2003, those type of times. And they, they like the fact that there's small independent groups, fledgling groups that are thriving in regions like Pure Blind and regions like Syndicate. To them, that's quintessentially what Eve should be. It should be lots of small groups, uh, lots of uh, fighting, and just constant uh, conflicts, constant entertainment. You know, you know what's something uh, that's been interesting, and actually, through the one, two, now three. This is either our third or fourth time since I've been with Flying Dangerous that we've forayed into Sob. It's not, um, you know. Most of the time in my time here, we've been in NPC space of one type or another. Um, but a couple of, of moves into Sov have, have yielded some interesting patterns. Um, one is that for whatever reason, when we do uh, temporarily join a coalition, um, we will be handed what we perceive, or at least what I perceive, as space or responsibility that is outsized to our size. And I don't know why groups keep doing that. It's it's hard to pin down why that happens um, or what they perceive in us. And then second is when we're not part of a coalition, but we own space like now. Um, it's like being the hot girl at the dance and watching so many sides in the area around you constantly 
vying for your pledge to blue their coalition. And I feel like many other small groups who own space probably deal with this as well. Um, and many of them fail the test and accept the, the offer to blue up, if you will. Now, for a group that's been around and has taken Sovnol, what's it like that the changes over the however many years? Unfortunately, I wasn't able to be there for the old times. I only started playing recently. So how uh, have things changed for Sovnol since the creation of Flying Dangerous? Triple or Lofty would, would know a lot more about that. I started playing in 2012 and they started playing at least a couple of years before that. Uh, triple. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, I was handed the Alliance and then uh, we took space in Esoteria with, uh, I forget what the coalition was called, Dinner Squadron, I think. It was with the, with the Initiative. And we were handed a pocket of space there. And I remember Sovereignty Blockade Units. I hated that. I hated having to put down pauses. I hated all the aspects of it, but it gave us new content and, uh, you know, we had fun with it as much as, as we could have. And coming back to the game now, it took like, I don't know, I'd say four or five years off. Having the new mechanics with the, uh, the toasting and uh, the capture of the flag events, it seems a lot more interesting to me. I'm, I really like the new solve mechanics, at least for me. Mind you, we're not like the self-holding alliance and we don't deal with these things every day, but from the perspective of a person who doesn't like Sov, I like the way it's structured now. Like, I, I don't mind toasting. I don't mind the capture flag events. I like the timers. I like all that stuff. I didn't like the shooting the IHUBs and, and sovereignty blockade units and stuff like that. So I, that's, that's what I could say about this. Tell me a bit about yourself Ooh, and what you do. in 2009 and, uh, Installed Eve, immediately got somewhat addicted. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I had no interest in PvPing. I was mining in a belt with a Hulk, I think, after two months. And I'm like, yeah, this is it. I'm going to mine. And I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but something's going to, you know, someone be a big industrialist one day. Then somebody warped to the belt, opened a chat convo with me, and he's like, hey, man, we're doing some PvP tonight. The crews are up. Come join us. I'm like, I, I don't know how to PvP, dude. Like, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, he's like, yeah, no, it's meant for you. Come, meet us in Jeriza. And I think it was like uh, 0200 or 0300. So I made my way there. My first cruiser up was with Lofty. And ever since that first cruiser up, ever since we tackled, or, he, you know, the, the scouts tackled uh, a Moros on, on a station and we were shooting it, even though we were outnumbered. I got addicted to PvP, and that's the only thing I ever wanted to do. So I went from mining mindlessly in high sec to being with a group of people, talking and having a good time and building relationships in, in like a matter of a day, pretty much. It was great. So you were recruited when you were quite new, and you get uh, I know you get a lot of new players in Flying Dangerous. But what's it like to do all the uh, a lot of, I guess, teaching and helping new players get their legs in this game it's a tough one because i think a lot of people fall in the bitter vet syndrome after a few years where you know everything and you don't want to deal with the here's your overview setting here's what you need to do and you you take everything for granted and you think people just magically learn how to pvp by themselves that's why i love what zip does where he really i want to say hand holding but there's there's method to the madness and and he really 
it's a humbling experience being a new player or being an old player and teaching a new player because you could put yourself in this position every time. All you need to do is think about the, the early days of when you were trying a PvP and having no idea what a D-scan was, having no idea how to point anything, not knowing any ship types. Um, yeah, so avoiding the bitter vet syndrome and humbling yourself is a good thing. You want to pass the knowledge down to other people. And Zip, when we recruited him, was in 2013. He was completely new. And now he FCs fleets that I'm a part of, and he's a way better FC than I could ever be. It's beautiful seeing that. Or a person like Ivy Lash, who like, he left Figgle, he went to Roth, and then now he's running uh, Psychotic Tendencies, stuff like that. You know, you're like, these players started n not knowing what an Ibis was to like leading super cap fleets. It's fantastic. I, I love that aspect of the game. Uh, Do you love seeing some of your new players and uh, I guess graduates? end up in all sorts of different areas in EVE. I think I, well, I know I've encountered one of your graduates warming up. He went and uh, flew with Hard Knocks. I think he was entrusted with flying some of the more critical ships in their fleet combat. And now he's a director in a small gang group that I was with. It, it happens a lot with Flying Dangerous, but warming up, I don't think I ever had the, the opportunity to fly with him. I think I, I was away from the game at that point. But there's a lot of that stuff that happens, and I love that stuff. And we had a lot of people in Black Legion too. And just seeing the Figgle name, I, I have to I have to say this. Initially, it bugged me when people left that were skilled and to went to do the other thing. But I I could somewhat understand it. But having played this game now for a long time, I'm like, yes, no, it's good. You, you spread the knowledge. You you get more more knowledge from other places, and you see them do great things. It, it's something beautiful, and it's something I really like. I love it when they come back to us after and, and just like, you know, <laughs> of course, I love it when they come back to us, but um, I like that. And I'm going to say this, being AFK or away from the game for five years and coming back to it is not like riding a bicycle at all. It's like I was lost. And I was completely lost for the first few months. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Like, I think I found out what a stork was like a month ago. So, yeah, it's um, it's a very humbling game, Eve. So let's let's just let's, I'm gonna jump in right there. So all right, you got a bunch of people listening. Uh, the show gets pretty good, uh, you know, time on YouTube and stuff. Uh, somewhere a, a miner in high sec is gonna listen to this and go, "Oh man, that might be me. Maybe it's not me." But how do I try? How do I do that? How do I jump in? First of all, it is you. Um, especially if you don't think you can do it, uh, it's you, and. If you don't think you can do it, you're right because you're going around trying to prove yourself right. You're saying, I think I, I don't think that I can do it. It's too complicated. It's too hard. Um, you have to have years and years and years of experience to do this right. Um, and I couldn't do that. Uh, you are, I hate this term, but you are engaging in a self-fulfilling prophecy. I really hate that, but it's true. Um, I challenge all of those players, and, and, and while I'm at it, I challenge anyone who thinks that they uh, are not cut out for whatever they want to try to be cut out for, to do the hard thing and try to prove yourself wrong. Proving yourself right is easy. Proving other people wrong is easy and can be fun. Proving yourself hard is not fun and not easy until you find out that you're you're you were wrong and then you're really good at it and suddenly you can do a thing that you were convincing yourself before that you could not do 
Okay, so I got the motivational speech. I'm pumped. I'm ready to do it. What's the next step? Do I just find you guys or can I go find anyone? Like really, is it really as easy as finding Flying Dangerous and uh, convoying one of you guys? And should I just, or should I just head to Pure Blind in, you know, in a rifter? Oh, I, I would not. Open up the just... channel, relax recruitment, grab one of our recruiters and change your EVE experience. So just go to relaxed recruitment in game. That's a channel. You can open that up. Talk to one of our recruiters in there and um, yeah, start playing EVE. There, there's, a, there's one more thing to, to what you said. Just go to Pure Blind. Um, we, <laughs> we recruit a lot of people that we kill. So come to Pure Blind, uh, get killed, uh, especially if you're solo, and we will convo you and be like, hey, what's up? You, you, know, you, you gave it a shot. We like that. Uh, do you want to come and see what it's like flying with us? So both work, but yes, relaxed recruitment in-game. There's a reason why we call our, our, our region Space Detroit, because it really is. <laughs> Space Detroit. You see, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, uh, the people who, well, I'd be careful going straight into Pure Blind, because you one of the first systems you end up in is called ECPTAC 8R. And it's, so, it's such a bloody region that, sorry, it's such a bloody system that the very system in-game has a description referring to just to well, people saying hold the pod hold the pod because so many people die there so going straight to pure blind i would say definitely talk to them about getting in and moving your stuff in before you just go jumping all of your belongings in because there are a lot, a lot of people myself and a few of my friends included who do camp that gate in that first step in has that been a frustration for newer players just i guess dying to things like that Ab it's a, absolutely <laughs> yeah it's a frustration but it's a learning experience too right i mean you got to learn the horrors of, of zero zero and what better way to learn hey you need a scout than jumping into ec attack right <laughs> yeah you can also um, consider it like a resilience check as well you know those people who can't make it through the first gate well maybe they wouldn't make it further <laughs> True. Um, and I hopefully I made that clear that uh, just jumping into pure blind is a recipe to die and then um, hopefully learn something from it. Uh, I was not suggesting that you could just come to pure blind and we'd let you waltz in and not try and shoot you. Um, I, you know, I don't know if you guys usually do this, but I see someone in chat mentioning that they were in Flying Dangerous, the new corp, and we put 100% tax rate a couple of days ago, which is true. Uh, it's something we'll do sometimes. Um, to basically raise funds for our cruiser fleet we'll say you know for we'll announce in advance um we're going to do a sort of fundraising thing we're going to raise the corporation tax and all of the corporations that lofty controls to 100 percent we'll rat up the space that we own for a couple hours and then drop the tax rate back down to zero um it's you know no offense to the the, the gentleman or, or gentlewoman in in chat, but it is a way for us to also weed out those who are clearly not paying attention to the communications we're putting out to the alliance. Uh, if you have no idea why the tax rate went to 100%, um, then that's because you're not paying attention. Right, that's a good point. It, you know, and there's there's many other groups like you guys. I mean, I just, you know, not to put you guys on the spot, but there's more. There's more of you out there, meaning there's more small alliances doing the small gang thing in NullSec. So look, you guys, uh, you know, wherever you're at, south, north, east, west, there are groups like this. The whole point is take the jump, players. Listen to your desires. 
and go on and find, get in that public channel of whatever group and join and get, uh, you know, get some different experience. It could be low sec even, it could be uh, null sec, it can be lots of different things. So let's talk a little bit about that then. Let's just transition to more as the experience um, where you guys have had to put this together, some of the trials that maybe other small groups, or maybe there's a listener now who's like, you know, I got three or four friends in high sec. I actually want to go and try and get solve, or I want to go take my group and live in, in null sec. Maybe they don't want to join you. They just want to go do their own thing. So let's talk about the mechanics of that against the big blobs. Like, are there special things you need to do? Kind of walk me through that, walk the audience through. Here's the considerations you need to have when you are small, because you don't have endless ISK and you don't have endless pilots and, 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 right? So how do you have to behave? So let's start there. You have to be incredibly persistent. Um, it helps a lot to plan your campaign in such a way that you can slow burn the campaign and not burn yourself out uh, while simultaneously burning the opponent out. And the, uh, you know, you mentioned large blocks. Um, I, I'll, I'll just, yeah, I, I think everyone knows this, but it, probably bears saying for someone out there, um, taking space from Test or Goon Swarm or you know, Fraternity uh, is probably an unrealistic goal. You should find somewhere where there is a challenge for you that is just barely out of your reach and go there, dig into a place that you can live, an NPC station of some kind, and grow to meet the challenge that you set in front of you. Okay. Um... But I know that's not very specific, yeah, but no, it, is, it is a start. <laughs> it is, it is. Uh, so what about the solve mechanics? Rich was uh, starting to talk about solve mechanics. So I think that's actually a really good point, right? Because solve mechanics kind of, you know, changed, obviously, Fozzy Solve, and it kind of a little bit directed towards a numbers matter gameplay style around the, the iHubs and TCUs and, and those sorts of things. Uh, how, okay, you guys have four systems, and there's only... You know, I, I won't give away your number on here. Well, people look it up. You guys got about 180 pilots, 180 people, right? So you got four systems, and there's some pretty reasonable other guys in between your because you guys are like on either end of that of that constellation. So uh, are you guys struggling to keep it, or is it like just fights all day? Uh, who wants to jump in and and, uh, and answer? I don't know if Jim, this this is maybe more your area or or not. Uh, I think this is actually a zip. This is a zip. Or a zip question? Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's do zip. Um, so realistically, we own two, two systems. Uh, there are two other systems that we own TCUs in. Uh, the situations in those systems are in flux. I couldn't talk about them um, in any sort of understandable or reliable way, even if I wanted to. Uh, it's not an OPSEC thing. It's just uh, we're not quite sure what's happening there to be to be quite frank. Um, Lofty might know more things than me that he doesn't want to say now, um, or he may know more things than me that he does want to say now. But in terms of our space that we do consider under our control, 93P and GM, um, it is not currently a struggle to keep the space. We're not dealing with constant incursions into our SOV. Um, once you establish yourself in an area, there is sort of a feeling, uh, and again, this depends a lot on your neighbors, that um, hey, they've got that space. They must have the ability to defend it somehow. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes that's not. 
Um, in our case, we live every day in our sob as if it were our last, because it very well could be. Uh, there are many groups around us who could, without breaking a sweat, remove all of our structures and us from our space. Um, obviously, we you know would look forward to that day and put up a fun fight uh, and try to asymmetrically turn the tables as best as possible to get the most amount of carnage out of the situation. Um, but we are not secure in our space, and I don't think that... Uh, anyone who is setting out to accomplish this should expect to feel secure in their space. All right. Nice. So, I, Rich, I'm going to let you jump in here because I know one of your main topics uh, on many to in many talk shows is the uncomfortable nature of, of what uh, NullSec and, and the way that NullSec should be uncomfortable. You got a, a few questions in that direction that you can ask the guys? Oh, yeah. What is the present situation in PureBlind? It's obviously been a historically violent region. There's some very powerful groups next to you and there's also well with every group and with every alliance and every region there are certain what's the best way to call them warlords or people who just generally go there initiate a lot of fights what is uh, life as well in pure blind like as of right now and the political situation that is going on with i think almost a three or five way war in pure blind itself I'd say currently at the moment there's there's four main entities uh, in PureBlind or having influence on PureBlind's region. Um, the the largest entity is Hostile State, which is run by WeForm Volter. Um, they have a coalition of alliances which um, predominate in terms of their their strength in PureBlind. After them is Bandlogs. Bandlogs are kind of receding in terms of their influence in PureBlind mainly due to the pressure of hostile state, um, specifically led by Toilet Paper, one of the uh, alliances in um, a hostile state. After that, there's Womp, and I think you've spoke to Thanik um, a few weeks ago on this channel. Um, he's taken a hold with his, his new industrial uh, alliance, and he's, uh, he's he's got a constellation there, which he's developing and uh, desperately trying to Create a diplomatic, um, I suppose, space for himself in in terms of like what he can hang on to and and what he can convince people not to invade. <laughs> um, and then there's us, where where the small guys on the block we we can like hang on to that edge of uh, pure blind, uh, and essentially we just try to remain neutral as possible. So that that's really the the state of, of pure blind as as we see it anyway. I imagine there's a whole level of complexity beyond that, which we, we're not aware of. But uh, from our perspective, that's what we see. Now, a lot of the space that's been held, is that just held on paper where it, they don't really have any serious investment and anybody could come in and just tear that paper up? Or is it something more solid where they can't exactly tear it apart without bringing in some scissors? Wh whose space? Uh, the pure line in general, and I understand you. The two systems, your two main systems, are fairly solid. The other two you mentioned are just sort of on paper right now. Those systems were uh, well. We occupied the TCUs. We, we took the TCUs during a fight we had with Banders. Um, I, I'm kind of reticent to say anything about Banders, but we did have a, we had, um, we had a trust problem with Bander logs. There's been a few things I've said which haven't really been the way they've acted after saying those things. 
So uh, eventually we started a war with bad logs just to see how that would go. Uh, they're a much larger organization and they proved that on the field, but you know, we kept fighting anyway. We managed to take uh, a TCU from them whilst they were distracted looking the other way. Um, they managed to kill a few of our structures. They managed to take one of our systems actually, it'll take T. And then after after a few uh, a few about a month uh, of fighting, uh, things settled down. After they'd settled down, the status quo was we had the TCUs and they had the IHABs. And anyone who knows how sub works, the IHUB is the important aspect of that game. So really, it looks like we have them, but they we we don't really. The banders had them. Uh, a few weeks after that, um, once it kind of became obvious that we were not going to be able managed to either hold or invade that space um, toilet paper moved in and just cleaned up the mess and uh, moved banders uh, out of those systems so currently we hold the tcus and um, toilet paper hold the um, the ihubs uh, essentially that's not our space it's it's toilet paper space and that's really the status there there's there's been no real conversations beyond that i see now with this kind of battle brewing in pure blind where it's you have a hostile state you have a band of logs who've historically just stayed there all the time and you also have fraternity currently moving in i believe noras has actually pinged one of the fcs in volta telling him to resub because he wants to meet him on the battlefield how how is it like uh, i guess trudging through this situation what is what is it like to be handling things diplomatically on your end I do most of the diplomacy. Um, I'll be honest, in terms of the majority of it, I, I try to avoid being a diplomatic entity for Flying Dangerous. I try to present us as a neutral organization, which is one, neither a threat or a resource for, so not a resource, i.e. We, we, we can't be bought, we can't be persuaded uh, to, to join a coalition. Uh, and on the other side, we're, we're neutral, so we're also, not a threat that's 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 the tightrope where we walk um we often have to be blue to pe uh, blue to some entities just for operational reasons but uh, it's something we try to avoid at all costs so just trying to not seem like a power i guess not seem like you have the capacity to do anything really significant that's going to affect anyone else's um uh, objectives or you know uh, upset them in a way that makes them feel like that we need to be removed and also not strong enough that you know they need to annex us and and take hold of our capabilities um and that's a that's a that's a hard tightrope now yeah. we talk about how it's like the hot girl at the dance now, how much i guess table room and lip service happens when it comes to diplomacy of this scale before guns are brought to the table <laughs> Essentially, as soon as it becomes clear that uh, an entity wants to influence the way we behave in a way which is either detrimental to our community or detrimental in a sense that uh, we won't be able to continue functioning, uh, training new players, that's that's when we become we become violent. Um, and by violent, I mean we we obviously uh, can't confront large entities directly on the field, but we can certainly become a big pain in the ass um that that's that's really the only that's really the only card that we have to play in in terms of, of those kind of engagements and influence 
something that, yeah. that I want to add, if you don't mind, Rich. Um, there, there's, there's a, a sentiment um, that I see a lot, which is uh, don't own anything, and then you can't lose anything. Um, and and these people are are PVPers, and it makes me wonder how they feel about the ships that they undock, um, and why they would undock a ship if they could risk losing it. Um, really, our space, our structures, the tenuous, almost non-existent political position that we hold or don't hold, really, it's, it, it isn't one, um, is like a ship that you would undock with the intent to PvP with it and lose it. Um, all is transient. The space, the structures, uh, the ships, except the group that we're, the, the community that we're uh, trying to build. Everything else is disposable. Everything. That's a very good way to put it, actually. Is it? Yeah, exactly. Um, our true value is not space. That's a neat concept for sure. And and to your point, uh, Rundle, I don't think it's particularly unique, but it could use saying, uh, I think, a little more often. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so one of the items that uh, I know that's uh, been bantied about a little bit uh, is, you know, how do you make money? How do you do the non-PVP things in your system, right? Like you got a couple systems. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff. You can't just be sitting around waiting for that one PVP action to happen. Uh, maybe you can when you got that low sec pipe. But um, can you, you know, talk, uh, talk, tell us a little bit more about just day-to-day -day life in that uh, area? How do you make money? How do you go about, you know, doing, you know, uh, sites and all those fun things, you know, whatever it is you do. So I have my own way of doing this, but I actually wonder. Uh, if Guru's internet is good enough for him to answer this question, because we see a, I feel like you probably see a lot more action in EU time zone to make that more difficult for the people in your time zone. I guess my perspective of it is that we're no different from any other null alliance. It's just on a much smaller scale, only owning the two systems. So, you know, we're filling our time, you know, running sites. We have a wonderful relationship with uh, with Vault and uh, Industrial Alliance and HiSec, who do wonderful things in terms of helping us in on the mining side of things and things that don't naturally come to a PVP organization. So we have that side of things. Um, and I think the history of Figgle, um goes back long enough to say that We've all developed good habits in terms of being self-sufficient personally, whether that means that you run high sec missions, whether that means um, you do things like PI, you run around doing exploration and wormholes. Everyone's got their little niche. Um, so I'd say that it's quite diverse. Well, I guess the reason that I, I pointed to Jiru is because I know that we've had a lot in U.S. time zone when I'm out ratting, because I'll just go rat in my gila and talk to people on comms because it's something to do two things at the same time. I, I need to be doing two things at the same time. Um, and when people will come in, I'll stay in the in the gila in the site and let people tackle me and then we can kill them. And that's been really successful um, in my time zone. But I know that there's been a lot of trouble with that in EU time zone for various reasons. And I wondered if you could kind of talk to that because it, it does 
uh, I think, affect the ability for our members to make money at times, if that makes sense, Kiru. Yeah, I think, um, well, I think I think it's sort of the other way around in a way, is it? So from my point of view, I think that we sometimes do our job in terms of fratting and that, uh, that side of things a bit too well. I think what's made us a big target is is, is doing lots of threading and people see that big shiny ESS and it brings a, a lot of trouble to our door. Um, sometimes maybe a bit more that we can chew on um, at certain times of day. And that's that's been an interesting thing to sort of get to grips with, um, especially with the, the way the meta around the ESSs has changed so much. Go ahead, a lot of groups have a lot of space where they can spread out their routers uh, along many systems and put small amounts of money into each ESS along many systems. When we're concentrated so much in basically two systems, um, the ESS grows because we're all routing in the same place. It's Yeah, it's a very interesting problem to have. Does the uh, dynamic bounty system affect you much or is there too much violence and it keeps it at a stable rate? I love it. I love the dynamic bounty system because I love doing PVE and PVP simultaneously. It's something that makes PVE uh, bearable for me. Um, and so killing people in our space makes the ratting more profitable, which makes more people want to come to our space to die, which makes the ratting more profitable. So is it over Is it over 100% on, on regular or is it drop low? Over 150 on the regular. Over 150 on the regular. Wow. That's all because of the... The PVP on the gate, or just in the system, I guess. It's right, because of sure. Space Detroit, man. That's yeah, that's right. Space Detroit. Yeah, back to the Space Detroit, right? Oh, well, Detroit. There's lots of potential for rebirth, but you say you cannot be bought, and it's curious because with a smaller group, you can't afford to field things like raw cores because it's difficult, so difficult to protect. And the way you make money is just so much different, especially compared to established groups, which might have. They might have old money left somewhere, or they've got significant amounts of passive income from something. It's are you able to SRP things, or ah, you also help pay things using the hundred percent tax and the fundraising? That's very rare. Uh, Lofty would probably be much more able to talk to the the financial portions. The the hundred percent tax thing is is like a once a month kind of thing. And I just want to mention about the hundred percent tax thing. It's for three hours, and it's more of a Team building, let's go do shoot some red X's together in, in the hopes that somebody steals the ESS. So whatever money we make is not enough to cover pretty much anything. But, you know, like the last 100% tax rate we have, I gave away a Marauder, uh, a bunch of other ships. So it cost probably 10 times more than what we made. So it was more of a, you know, <laughs> let's all get together and have some fun pretty much. I think um, in terms of SRP, we do have SRP. SRP builds into how we scale um, the, the roles and the functions of the corporation. So you need to have reached a certain level within our corporations to actually be uh, eligible for SRP. Just to put that perspective, once you first join uh, Fickle in the first corporation you join, uh, there's one, no SRP, but there's also no tax. So it sort of scales in terms of your contribution and in terms of what you get back from the, uh, from the alliance, depending on where you are in the alliance. Um, above that, we have a lot of alumni who are very, very generous. We've got a lot of good people in places all around Eve, in much larger organizations who uh, froze a bone. 
Um, we also have, and I have no idea how this fits in with the EULA, so I'll put it out here publicly. We also fund a lot of our SRP through Patreon. Um, we uh, basically have a Patreon, which is funded by about 30 people, um, and we convert that all into ISK. So that's, that's in a way, we're using real-life money to, to, to fund our, our organization in terms of SRP. Now, with this organization, however small or however big, how do you handle getting thing, well, getting players there and getting things to there? There's obviously the really difficult, the, the, the big system ECP to track, but to get past. But how does logistics work? You're quite close to Cheetah, which is both a blessing and a curse. That's so a triple question. Who runs that whole department? Yeah, basically. I, I, DJ could probably yeah. handle it, though, too. Yeah, if DJ you wanted to. Yeah, I can handle. So we get a couple routes. Um, you know, we always, we, there are always, always scouts available. Um, so when we're onboarding, you know, new people. We we're we're trying to make it as seamless as we can. You know, we know that for somebody who's brand new, the concept of moving to moving, you know, to null sec or low sec is really scary. And so, you know, we have a, a pretty decent, extensive um, jump freighter jump freighter service that we run with our senior guys. Triple actually runs it. Um, and either that or, you know, like you said, like, you know, where we're at geographically, we're close to Torino's. We can scout people through. We can go the back way, although the back way through LOSEC is, I think, scarier than trying to get through EC and Torino. So we try to get people through there. Um, but really, we're trying to we try to eliminate as many hurdles as we can to making the big plunge to NullSec because we know for brand new guys, it's a scary deal. You know, and most of the time. Those are the guys that load up their badger full of stuff that's got, you know, 12 million isk worth of things in it. And they're the ones who get bubbled on the EC gate and, you know, and die horribly if they try it themselves. So so that's where we try to step in and, and really give a helping hand to the, the new guys that are coming out. Well, I'm glad so far you haven't had the same issue as Thanak did with that poor guy losing his, well, all of his stuff in that freighter, gating it through LOSEC. The, the, the hundred billion uh, isk. Uh, yeah. yeah, we we have in the past, and we will in the future. Yeah, for um, sure. You know, with uh, the kind of people that we're looking for, you almost inevitably run into situations where someone does something that they did not know not to do, and you just can only pick up the pieces afterwards and try and have help them to learn a valuable lesson from it. And How hope long... as many people as possible also learn from that lesson. Yes. <laughs> You How can spend an hour telling to... somebody. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, uh, you spoke about an hour. No, sorry. I mean, you could spend an hour telling somebody not to do something. Like I remember last week, DJ and I were talking to somebody and telling, "Don't jump your jump freighter." Blah blah blah. This and that. Next day, what does he do? Jumps into a signal beacon, pretty much. We're like, okay, an hour down the drain. But some people are gonna just do what they want to do, even if you offer all these nice little things, and you know. Yeah, it's a learning experience, I guess. The, the ecosystem takes care of uh, what you can't manage to express sometimes. I mean, but the beacon provides, what can you say? <laughs> it does. I yeah, have does. no idea. Like, okay, we, we did this. I had no idea that it was going to be so uh, fruitful. Lucrative. Um, yeah, I, 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 I saw like it happening down in Delve and all this stuff. And yep. uh, I thought, oh, you know can't this, possibly this, be that easy this could only happen in delve because all these people are concentrated here no not so put one up in 93p and guess what happens nice 
So uh, talking about Delve, what do you, what's your what's your guys' take uh, sitting way up there? Uh, what's your take on the war? Real quick. Don't care. That about sums it up, really. Um, Straight up, don't yeah. care. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Okay. <laughs> well, we we actually have a lot of friends on both sides, and it's kind of like. <sighs> It's kind of like you know watching your parents fight, really. <laughs> it's like <laughs> can't really say much about either side. We're just hoping they're all having a good time. Well, the new players you do get, whether they, how long does it take for you to train them up, or how long do they take to get to a point where they're a lot more confident in themselves? It completely depends on the individual. You could have someone come in on day one knowing absolutely nothing and have a great attitude and give up after a week and you could have someone the exact same person great attitude and they're scouting uh and starting to ask about when they can start fcing fleets in a month um it's it can be that varied of a, of a time frame um the, that second group of people are usually the people that we end up uh promoting into our higher corporations very quickly what? I think also Both. you can look at it from a numeric point of view as well. So like if you take 100 people that you recruit who are brand new or high sec dwellers, um, you will lose 50% of those people either due to boredom or lack of interest or they, they it's just not for them. And then from that 50 that's remaining, you'll find 20 people who are persistent enough to develop those skills. And from those 20 people, you will probably find 10 uh, over a period of probably three months who develop into... Um, well, I suppose the word competence is not right, but people who are able to I, I think that's, withstand that's exactly the right. environment. Yeah, it's a bit derogatory, so I would say it. Uh, I'll say ratios, it then, competent. Well, with those ratios, I want to know, what what is a common trait between them that makes that separates those who may not bloom as much Resilience. as those who... Hmm? Resilience. That's the Resilience. characteristic you're looking for in people. Resilience. The ability to look loss and hardship and discouragement in the face and keep going. PvP is failure. You have to fail. If you expect to go into PvP and succeed immediately, you will never succeed. If you go into PvP expecting to pay for each lesson with a ship loss, you will learn quickly and efficiently. Do yep. people learn uh, now? Do people learn better in a Ferrari or do people learn better in old a Ford? beat up BMW? Old beat up Ford. Do not learn in a Ferrari. That the same analogy I just used. You are paying for each lesson with a ship loss. Um, would you rather pay ten dollars or a hundred dollars to learn at the same lesson? That's all there is to it. And that lesson really is lost. We we have a we have a doctrine which we call cruiser frenzy. Um, it's just cruiser hulls with T uh, one fittings mostly. Um, we we provide that fitting to all of our new members on a cruiser fleet for nothing. They just turn up, they get a ship, they get to fly into a brick wall, and that's ultimately the goal: to fly into a brick wall, to experience the ownership of a spaceship. And then the loss of a spaceship and the fact that really the only difference between those two points in time is your capacity to fly it. You became a better pilot whilst you owned it. And that's why you own things. You lose them, but you, the, the capacity to, to fly it and what you've learned while you're flying it remains with you. 
Excellent. I have one other real quick question. I think we're going to have to start uh, winding down here. Um, and maybe Rich has an, another final question. But so CSM announcements for today, there's a, a list of people. There was a whole whole thing. Rich was there. Um, but uh, not to, not trying to bring Rich into that in that context. What I want to know from you guys is because there's lots of news around the CSM around, you know, the big blues, the big, you know, the tests, the goon swarms that they're just going to fill up half, three quarters, whatever, whatever. So you're a small uh entity what to like you know what do you what do you think about the csm is it back to the don't care answer or is there value there or like what, what do you guys think about the csm in that aspect as a small different kind of novsec uh entity personally uh the csm is a fascinating concept to me i think it's something that is very uniquely eve uh and simultaneously um i generally end up caring very little about uh it in practice anyone else want to try that answer? i kind of agree with zip it, it is a fascinating concept and unfortunately it's one of those concepts which only works if um democracy is fair <laughs> and unfortunately the situation we have is and again with you know in terms of like forming coalitions and uh larger parties which um forms conglomerates have more influence again right. over the CSM we perceive that so for smaller organizations it might be harder to have uh, their views heard on a body like the CSM um, as such perhaps we don't pay as much attention to it because we don't perceive that we well us and other organizations I imagine don't perceive that they right. have as much influence on it so CCP were listening, which they sometimes do. Um, what would you tell them to change it? How would you, do you have any quick, you know, short ideas on, hey, guys, this is how I change it to be able to involve groups like mine or groups like ours? Surely when you have a, well, when you have a large population of users, uh, a consultative approach is always good. Getting um, user stories and collecting those user stories from a diverse group is is going to be better than having a selection criteria which specifies the type of people who are going to be voicing their opinions. So I'd say the CSM is uh, good in terms of representing the larger bulk of the community, but I'm probably going to suggest them that other methodologies could be used to get a more diverse perspective on all of their users, which in turn might actually attract different people to the game. Okay. Rich, you got a final question there? Or sorry, sure, yeah. if you got an answer there? Um, just, just something brief, yeah. I guess. Uh, I, I would say that you know, in terms of, there are large fish in the pond, and if we want small groups to flourish without becoming large fish, um, unfortunately, CCP is, in my opinion, in my estimation, not the answer. Um, there are many, many CEOs and leadership groups and corporations that have taking their corporations and the trust that the members put in them to take them on the adventure of Eve and abdicated that responsibility to a larger, uh, more established leadership group and said, thanks for joining my group or thanks for joining our group. Uh, we're going to let these other guys decide what we do and that's going to be your adventure. There you go. I, I see that as an abdication and I don't see it as CCP's problem. I see it as, uh, the leaders of these groups problem to solve as the various csm candidates begin speculating on the future of eve there is something quite bright for groups that are seen as 
new player friendly with the recent academies, I believe. Now, as you mentioned, your group, you hold on to your space as if it's the last day. What is the future for Flying Dangerous with the whole new player academies and the rather interesting situation brewing in Pure Blind? What's to the future of your group? Lofty, you want to try? Um, I think you're right. We do live day to day. But in general, we have a long history. We have a long history of being consistent in terms of what we do. Um, our future will be to roll with the changes which are presented to our organization and in the process of rolling with those those changes to try to continue to build the Eve community at large by teaching people the attraction of PvP and getting them addicted, I guess, to this game and this community. That's that's our broad future. And it's been the same future for over a decade. As to what the changes are on the micro level from year to year, um, I'm sure there'll be different influences. Uh, but uh, again, we'll just roll with those punches. We'll just stick to that ethos of trying to introduce people to the game and build them into the community. Do you think this uh, EVE Academy, this outreach to new players will benefit you and take you to a new step towards the future? I... Possibly. It'll definitely provide us with new, uh, I suppose, more people uh, to run through the process, put it that way. I, I don't know if you've looked at it, Lofty. I really haven't. I don't know if there's 20 seconds to say, you know, what, what it is that's been, being done from, from anyone who's looked at it. I think it will feature certain groups that are considered new player friendly and, and academies for players to go to. I see. I see. Interesting. Yeah, it's a part of No, go ahead. I do remember this being a failed initiative a few years ago that didn't work out too well. I remember this being a thing that Flying Dangerous at the time, it could have been quite some time ago now, sort of 2012, 2013, um, that like so many of things that CCP do sort of flourishes for maybe a month, whatever current cycle they're working to and, you know, falls by the wayside again. So I encourage it. I welcome it. And if it, you know, pans out to be a long-term thing that becomes a long-term part of EVE, then that's brilliant. I suppose it is good that it's being acknowledged that that actually needs to be something considered as to whether this approach works or not. Well, you know, I suppose that'll That'll be answered in the days to come. Well, I wish Flying uh, Dangerous the best. I think the small groups and having more small groups in EVE, especially in Sovnol and Losec and play wormholes where places of PvP are more frequent, it's it's a great thing for EVE. It's the lifeblood that keeps the game flowing. And if that stops, I think it will. the game would stagnate. It will develop clots and such. But I think you're the, the fresh lifeblood that keeps this game going. I uh, couldn't agree more. Thank you very yeah. much for having us on. Absolutely. Well, thank you, guys. Good. Yeah, I appreciate uh, you know nice open topic. And I would just, uh, you know, Rich, thanks for helping uh, as well and bringing these guys here. I would say in general, if you're a, a small a small gang, uh, you know, small organization, NullSec, uh, LowSec, whatever, and you want to come, maybe you have a similar story or you have an alternate story. I mean, this is what really ultimately EVE is about. 
and we would invite you to uh, you know at least come on to the the Discord and tell us your story, and maybe uh, we can get you on air and, and do a similar interview and and see what you know see if you have a difference, see if there's uh, something that you're doing differently. And ultimately, that's really to me what this uh, story tonight was about was was hey look you don't have to be a big nullsec block to love and enjoy nullsec and do you know do eve this was one story one way maybe not the right way maybe not the the best way maybe it's perfect way who knows that's up to you as the players and everyone else to decide you know where you take this story from eve right so uh anyways uh thank you very much uh, i'll take i'll leave that as the as the final say on this i appreciate everyone's time and uh see everyone next time on talking stations good night everyone my dangerous. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.